Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I'm out of my mind excited for you guys to listen to this episode because I get to sit down with a dear friend, Jasmine Starr. And she is, as all of you already know, like this epic, incredible businesswoman who is an expert at social media. And that's what we're going to talk eventually is all things social media. We're literally going to crack the code for you on social media and how to specifically get better at it and leverage it for business. I can guarantee you that by the end of this episode, you will be better at social media and you will, as a result, have a better business. But before we go there, I just want to remind you that if you are at all interested in joining my mastermind, it is for any entrepreneurs that are multiple six-figure earners or those who have just barely crossed the seven-figure mark who are looking to consistently and significantly get into the multiple seven figures year after year. We teach those fundamentals. We teach those hacks. We teach all the things where you're saying, I don't get it. I've been trying for so long. How are they doing it? And I'm not. I bring in the experts and I make you collaborate in a way that nothing is left untouched. And you come out the other end of that one-year commitment as a radically different, more successful business person. I just love everyone who's going through it. Now, I'm not enrolling anybody right now, but you can get in line for the 2019 class. Uh, and when I get in line, what I mean is you have to go fill out the application if you're interested. And they are a first come, first serve basis in terms of how I review the applications. Now, let me be clear. If you're interested, do not let that self chatter come in and stop you from going and checking it out and stop you from applying, saying, I'm not good enough, or I have nothing to offer, or I'm scared. Because the way that I choose them is not just who has the biggest or best business, but who's going to offer the most value as a human being. And as a collaborator, or as I call them, as a family member with the other 30 people in that room. So do not hold yourself back. Go check it out. Poke around. Even if you're just nosy or curious, go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, that is fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. I love seeing these applications roll in. I love seeing everyone's businesses. I love seeing what you're up to. And I can't wait to see who is going to be in it for the 2019 class. Okay, so on to this superhuman that we call Jasmine Starr. Again, a dear friend. Now, Jasmine has over 600,000 real engaged followers on her platforms of social media. And there's a distinction there. There's plenty of people with massive followings that are not engaged on a regular basis. There are plenty of people with huge followings that aren't necessarily you know, real followers or engaged in what they're up to today. Jasmine's following is one of pure quality that loves what she has to offer and buys her programs when she puts them out there because they know what she stands for. And I want you to have that same kind of social media. I want you to have that same kind of result, that same kind of business. Now, she's not just known for social media, by the way. If you don't know her backstory, she's literally recognized as one of the top 10 photographers in the world 
Like, I'm not making that up. That's like a actual award that she's been given. Top 10 photographers in the world and also received an award as one of the 10 most socially influential photographers in the world, right? So she knows her stuff. But what you see on the outside is not always a good portrait of someone's backstory. And that's the case here. I mean, you're going to hear all about how Jasmine grew up poor, how she came from an amazing immigrant family, how she woke up one day in law school saying, why am I really doing this? And am I doing it for the right reasons? And how she ended up winning all of these awards as a businesswoman in photography and becoming one of the best photographers in the world. Now a social media expert, we do a deep dive for you. Like the questions I ask her are for you on how to be an expert at social media, how to crush your Instagram, your Facebook, whatever it is that you want to stand out on. We talk about the do's, the don'ts, the hacks, the secrets, and anything that is going to help your business grow online. Matter of fact, I can guarantee you that just by listening to this episode, you'll end up a far more successful business person with your social media. So stick around to the end because you're going to love her very simple yet important answer as to why you should be unapologetic about your pursuit of success. As a matter of fact, every answer that Jasmine explains is so simple yet profound. So it's going to create a shift in you. You're going to love, love, love this episode. So get ready, listen up, because here we go. Jasmine, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing so great. Thank you for having me. Are you kidding me? This is my privilege. I cannot wait to dig in and talk all things social media and life and business with you just because you've got such a great point of view on everything. Every time we talk in the mastermind and, and the interactions we've had, I leave pretty inspired. So I'm excited to pass that on to everybody else. Well, it goes both ways, homie. It goes both ways. So I'm ready. Let's all dive right. in. And- all right. Here we go. So guess what? On my show, we do something called Rapid Fire in the beginning. I just feel like it's a fun way to help my listeners get to know you, um, pick up the pace right away. And then if there's something really cool that comes up, we'll circle back around and do a deep dive on it. You down? Sounds great. I love it. Very cool. All right. So where did you grow up? I grew up in LA, Los Angeles, California. Where do you live now? Newport Beach, California. Ooh, I don't want to get off of rapid fire, but I ask which one is better. They are just they're, it's like picking between a child. You can't like, they're just different for, they're beautiful for different reasons. Like my parents are immigrants. And so Los Angeles was so deeply diverse and rich with culture and opportunities. And we grew up also really poor. So I look at Los Angeles as this borgening opportunity for people to get exactly what they want when they set their mind to it. So it's like my parents, like we would catch the bus and we would sit outside of the Hollywood bowl and we would be able to like listen to music without having to pay for tickets. And we would be able to go to the, like the library and have endless opportunities to travel the world in pages. And, you know, it's a, there were just so many opportunities to experience a very rich culture without having to spend money. And I think Los Angeles will always have a soft spot. Newport Beach, on the other hand, it's just, it's beautiful and it's sunny and we're by the beach all the time. So, you know, I mean, different, beautiful for different reasons. Totally. Okay. So what is your favorite quote? Jump and the net will appear. Ooh, I love it. What is one of your superpowers? Patterns. I see patterns in human behaviors, in psychology, in social trends. I'm just as a child, I grew up obese. And so I was always on the outskirts watching the parties, the situations, the rooms from the outside in. And I think that I've been able to hone that skill as an adult and apply it to different aspects of my business and life. It's amazing. I did not know that you grew up obese. Yeah, I weighed more than my dad when I was 11 years old. Okay, we're totally circling back around to that one. What is one of your favorite books? 
I, I always go back to the war, the art, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. It is, it's so, it's a tiny book and I, you just read a couple pages each night and it just reformats how we approach the creation process and not to expect anything of magic. And the idea of art being perfected is simply showing up. That's mm. it. Lori loves that book. I haven't read it yet. What is the last thing that kept you up at night? I, my dog, I thought he was, I thought he was ill and I couldn't sleep. I love him. I totally know know that feeling. (laughs) I know, you know, I know, you know that. I know, you know that. So yes, that was the last time. Favorite speech you've ever given or favorite message you've ever delivered. You know, we we had this conversation just a little bit ago. We were talking about Ed Milet. He's somebody that's like really inspiring and played a role in your life and Lori's life. And being on um, his podcast, it was just like this thing that I had said is to always ensure that we stand in our purpose. And the minute it came out, it felt like I had an anchoring of my soul as I pivoted industries and do different things. It's like I'm standing in my purpose. So despite the odds that are stacked against me or despite the waves that overcome me, I'm standing in my purpose. And I think when you stand in your purpose, there's power in knowing you're doing the right thing. Mm, I love that. Uh, who is someone who's changed your life? My husband. Is that cheesy? No, it's That's not cheesy. cheesy. It's cheesy. I it's get cheesy. that answer so much, which is a great sign of a good relationship. Like, let's think about it. Why shouldn't it be that person? Like, why, why Why do we have to label that as cheesy? Well, because, I mean, it is, but I embrace the cheese. You know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> it's I love all it. Good. What is one of all, your all-time favorite accomplishments this far? Um, it's it's small, but really, really, really big. My, um, my parents, we grew up, like, extraordinarily, like, blue collar. Like, the bluest of blue collars. Like, my dad would clean septic tanks, and he was a janitor, and worked at, like, sports supply goods stores and retail. We lived a very simple life. And when I started my business three years into it and got off the ground, there was a time where I looked at my dad when the bill had come. And coming from, like, a big Hispanic family, my dad always covered the bill. And I put my hand over the black docket, and I said, Dad, from this day forward, you will never pay for another meal as long as we're together. And, you know, 12 years later, my father has never paid for a meal. And I think that just that to me is the mark of everything that he has sacrificed and given for his family can now come back and hopefully tenfold. Because at the time we were going out to eat, like a big spend for us was going to like Bob's Big Boys, you know, and then we all, <laughs> more people would share like one burger. And now I'm proud to say that we take my dad to slightly better places. So it's all good. I wish Big Boys were still around. What they call it? The home of the I, hamburger? Yeah. Oh, you took me back. Yes, <laughs> totally. Back. Totally. Oh, Coke and those fries, and then you wonder why I was obese. But yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'm okay. We'll we'll go there in a minute. One regret you have? I don't live with regrets. I love it. And then last but not least, something generous you've done recently. Ooh, I'm really, really, really proud of this one. Um, my husband JD volunteered at the Children's Hospital of Orange County for a year, and he worked specifically in the oncology ward and got to know people there. And it just his heart is truly—he's a beautiful person. And then we got in contact with the philanthropy arm of the hospital, and they have just started development for a children's health, mental health wing of the hospital and they asked us to be patrons. And so we were so excited because mental health is is something that I've struggled with and something that my family struggles with. And so to be part of something that can fundamentally change the way that children are treated and responded to and educated really just has a profound effect on our lives. Wow. Number one, congratulations. That's an extraordinary contribution to be able to do that. And number two, yeah, that just feels so damn good, doesn't it? 
Doesn't it? It does. It does. And there's like no shame because there was a time where I was like, oh, well, we're doing this. And I'm like, what am I talking about? I never thought that I, as a first generation college student, first generation Latina, as a first generation business owner, that I would be able to do this and with gratitude and humility. And I'm like, I'm really proud. It makes me very proud. Jasmine, if you do it in the dark or if you don't talk about it, then how are you going to inspire others to think they can Absolutely. do it too? Absolutely. And that's taken me a while to really grasp and understand. And there's people like you who are really open. And then like you, you, it just your actions, Chris, just by me watching how you and Lori live and the, and the decisions that you've made, it subconsciously gives me permission to step into my own. So thank you for that too. Mm, okay. So let's get a little bit deeper into the interview now. And, and thank you for those kind words. You, I, I learned a lot about you quite honestly, uh, in the past couple of minutes, you said that you grew up extraordinarily poor. Uh, you said that you grew up obese and that you've had um, mental health issues as well, or, or the family's had them as well. This is shocking to me because when somebody looks at you from the outside, or when they look at your Instagram, or when they meet you and have a conversation with you, they see the furthest thing from all of this, right? They, they see this beautiful, shining example of what accomplishment looks like, and health looks like, and happiness looks like, and success looks like. So you have got to take us back to your upbringing and tell us a little bit about this backstory. Well, I think that the two stories overlap because it is a little ironic that like a family who was as poor as we were would have, you know, obese children. And the, the, the kind of the, the, the turning point in our business, um, excuse me, excuse me, turning point in my life as a child was my father um, we attended a church in Los Angeles and he decided that he wanted to build an orphanage with a group of people from our church in Baja, Mexico. So for those people who are uh, unfamiliar with the geography of California, Tijuana is about an uh, hour and a half, two hours from Los Angeles. And so twice a month, my father and a group of people would go and dedicated to build an orphanage in Rosarito. Well, at the time word started spreading and there was a grocery store in our neighborhood called Lucky's and Lucky's would have pallets of expired food that they were getting rid of, but expired food, not that it was an edible. It was like boxed goods and cans. So technically they weren't allowed to sell it, but it was still good food. And so the manager called my father and asked, um, if my father would be able to store the food to take down to Mexico, but the church had no facility to store that amount of food. And so my father cleaned out our garage and they delivered pellet after pellet every single week of expired food. And so as a child, I would literally climb mountains of loaves of bread with peanut butter and sugary cereals and juice. And I would just read myself into a sugary oblivion. And I think that when you have the accessibility to that type of food and there's no other options, like my mom didn't have money to say, go buy us like a head of lettuce, that that then became like the anchoring of our diet for probably five or six years. So that's when I started putting on a lot of weight and my father and mother thought that I was amazing just the way I was. And it was never a conversation. And I think looking back, it really did frame how I see the world, how I interact with the world and the decisions I make now as an adult. Wow. What is like one strength or one great asset or trait that it gave you having grown up kind of fighting that fight? Um, number one, empathy, because we all carry our own Mm, we all carry our 
our own story. We all carry our own inability to acclimate to social situations by way of things that you're carrying from your past. Mine happened to be weight. Other people could be, you know, their skin color, their eye color, the size of their nose, their waistline, whatever the case may be. And so when you come from a place of pain and having been understood of being made fun of and being stared at and like the traumatic experiences that go with being really big as a child, that it makes you really soft hearted to people who are still carrying like those burdens and flaws like later on in life. And also it has made me so acutely aware of social dynamics because when you always watch people and you spend all this time on the outside staring in, well, you get people in a deep and profound way. So now when in social situations, I do the same thing. Like I could just stand on the outside and I'm like, oh, so the little girl is still inside me. I've just found a way to function <laughs> socially differently. You know, Lori grew up um, pretty overweight and I grew up overweight and that little boy or that little girl that's inside of you never quite goes away, do they? No, no. It's fascinating. But I'm, it's fascinating. And I think that there's, it takes just as much energy for me to be frustrated that she's still there. And it takes just as much energy for me to say thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for shaping me. Thank you for me, making me empathetic. Thank you for teaching me what it means to make better decisions. And so equal amounts of energy, I'm just going to focus on the positive. So people might be hearing this right now and saying, wait, I thought this is a money mindset podcast, an entrepreneur podcast. Why are we talking about growing up overweight? Because these are the important things that shape you and cause you to take action and have different standards in your life going forward. So how has this shaped you? What, what is one standard in your life that you have now because of the way you grew up? Oh, discipline, discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. My, my, my mother was a hippie. Um, she, I was homeschooled. That's maybe another thing you didn't know. I was homeschooled until I was 14 years old. Glory and because too. of the, Really? Yes. See, I knew that girl. I knew she was something magical. <laughs> we, just, we just get each other. So I was homeschooled up until high school because the neighborhood that we grew up in, it's like metal detectors to get into school. My parents just didn't really want that for their children. But my parents aren't educated themselves. So my mom really kind of just left it to us to, you know, figure out that reading thing. I still to this day do not know my multiplication tables. Nothing against my mom. I loved how I was raised. I think it was perfect for my personality. However, all of a sudden, when you grow up overweight, it was about when I became like 15, 16, I had to make lifestyle decisions. Discipline when it came to what I ate, how I exercised, but also academia. And I think that those lessons that I learned in those formative years during teenagers, like I earned a full ride academic scholarship to college and then a full right academic scholarship to law school. And I think that that comes by way of sheer discipline of managing your schedule, setting expectations, having follow through, being a person of integrity and all of those things applied to how I started my business. Mm, this is fascinating. What a great segue into the next question. Um, I had either read or heard somewhere that you were in law school, but you kind of woke up one day and you felt like you weren't there for the right reasons. You want to talk us through that? Yeah. The, the nutshell version is, is when I was a junior in college, my mom was diagnosed with two forms of brain cancer and then she battled valiantly for <clears throat> a few years. And then during my first year of law school, she had a relapse of brain cancer and her entire process had been uh, at that time around uh, a eight year battle. And it was really hard because the doctors had said they were going to stop treatments and that they had done everything they could. And so it was at that time that I was so thoroughly depressed. I was like, I thought I was supposed to be in law school. And then all of a sudden, I remember thinking distinctly, my mom was 50 years old and I was 25 and I felt like I had a midlife crisis. And I thought to myself, I don't want to die a lawyer. I know what that life looks like. And if I have 25 years left in my life, is this what I want to do? And then I realized what a fool 
we're not even guaranteed 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. So the more time I spent running in a direction I was still unsure of the destination was when I had to just stop and say, life is so short. I'm going to live without regrets and I'm going to make decisions that don't make sense to anybody else. But if in my core and in my gut, I believe them to be true and I know I can execute, I can create a level of success and freedom in my life, then I'm going to pursue that. I thank my mom for being that North star in my life. And the best part of this entire situation is that against all odds, my mother is walking and talking and driving and doing all these things that she hadn't been able to do for years. So total awakening. She is amazing. She's a fighter. Everything good in my life is a result of her. Wow. That is, that is amazing. So you talked about, you know, formative things, right? And one of them that you brought up earlier was being coming from an immigrant family and being a proud Latina. And we hear so much in the news right now about immigrants how does it make you feel knowing the beautiful contribution that you give to the world today when you see so much discussion about it? Uh, it's so hard, Chris. It's so, so, so hard. And not only is it hard because of the color of my skin or the origin of my family and my last name, it's hard because the story of how my father came across the border resonates with so many children today. My father was 13 years old. He and his mom and his three siblings came across the border with a 72 hour visa and then they never left. And so my dad hid with his brothers and sisters in a basement for like three years. Like they taught themselves English watching television while my grandmother was an illegal immigrant working in a sweat house and <clears throat> a sweat factory. I think that my father looks and felt the minute he became an American was in the basement watching those American televisions because what people saw on the outside was a kid with a really thick accent, dark, dark, dark brown skin and like jet black hair. But when he enlisted in the United States Marine Corps during Vietnam, wasn't drafted, he makes it a point. I wasn't drafted. I volunteered to fight for this country is that he then became everything that the that this country represents. Mm. And he became such a powerful asset to society and left a legacy for people. And he didn't leave the community. My father is still running a church. He's the pastor of a church in East Los Angeles, which is a rough and tumble down area. And he's there giving back to the community and have raised five successful children, all who've pursued college and are making a positive impact on society. We are not four or five generations removed. We are first generation. And I think that the beauty about this country is giving people an opportunity to give them the latitude. We were recipients of government issued food. We were recipients of government issued loans. I was a full recipient of government financial aid to go to college. And I think it works. It works, it works, it works. And for us to extend and embrace that this country has extended to other people's great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents should be extended to people. Yes, we absolutely need to modify the system. But the, the, this big sweeping turning away of immigrants is really heartbreaking to watch. Thank you for talking about that. I'm sure it's not easy. But you said one of your superpowers was empathy because of the way you grew up. And I feel like that is a beautiful example of how you can help others who are listening have empathy and, and see things from a different perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here you wake up, you're like, uh, college ain't for me, not going to be a lawyer. You have your wake up call and you decide to turn into one of the world's greatest photographers. And that's not like me saying that, like you literally won the awards. <laughs> when? So talk us through that transition. It's so crazy because, so um, Brene Brown calls it gold-plated grit. When we have the opportunity to look back at a situation and say, oh yeah, well I did this thing and boy was it hard, but let's just toast with champagne, right? Like we could talk about like, but if we were to really shed those layers, it was terrible starting. Like I said I wanted to be a, become a photographer and I didn't own a camera. 
Wow. Right. Wow is right. And so other people would hear that and then they would think you, you silly, you silly girl, like get it together. Yeah. How cute. What a passing thought. How cute. Yes, exactly. And my husband heard that and heard something entirely different. He heard that I wanted to do something that made sense to nobody else. And for Christmas, we, I mean, we were literally living in like the world's shadiest neighborhood. We had one car that we shared between the bus. Like the car hood was like oxidized and we're like, we're just living the American dream right now. (laughs) And uh, he got part of his savings and bought me a camera. And he said, give yourself a year, give yourself a year. And if the business doesn't work, go back to law school. And I agreed. That's what I was going to do. And so we gave ourselves a year. And with one year, the business just exploded. And it didn't explode because I was some phenomenal photographer at the time. It exploded because I understood the patterns of human connectivity and behavior and was able to build myself my business. And here's the thing, as long as we understand the patterns, it applies to any business. What is a person's need? What is their fear? How do you serve them in a way that makes them feel seen and known? Mm, I freaking love it. By the way, props to JD for having that faith in you, right? Right. I mean, I said, baby, this is the best ROI. Let's just be real. Okay. Cause we've kind of come up in the world off that. Basic- <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that. You always share those parts of your story too. Like the car with the oxidized hood and all that, because again, it's not what people see today right. on the outside looking in. Right. And so they can't find themselves in your journey until you share that. So you got a camera in hand and you said, I'm pretty good. I'm not the best in the world, but you understood human connectivity. What was next? Um, So as a result of building a business from scratch, photographers were just like, how did you do this? This is such a highly competitive niche. Like it's, it's so hard to succeed in this. And so I started teaching photographers how to build businesses, leveraging free resources. And I said free resources because I didn't have a dang cent to my name. So I was like, what's around? Oh, this little new thing called Facebook. Let's use that. And so I basically started teaching photographers how to build better businesses and, um, learn the technicality of what they're doing. And then a few years into that, people started asking me outside of the photography world, can you teach us social media to grow our business? And my first answer was no. And then my second answer was, who am I to do that? Third answer was imposter syndrome. And then fourth was, why don't we just try it? And I started teaching entrepreneurs outside of the photography world how to build a business and a personal brand and market it on social media. And since then have created resources for entrepreneurs to do that. In my opinion, you're you're literally shifting this era of, quote, the starving artists and this expectation. I can't stand this, by the way, this expectation or or this badge that they almost wear. Like, I have to starve in order to get my art out there because it doesn't have to be that way, does it? Not at all. And that was the biggest criticism. I mean, it it was like, it's a badge that so many people wear that immediately when I started growing my business, it beyond my photography, people were like, oh, she's a photographer, like faux, F-A-U-X, right? I'm fake. I'm only doing this for the glitz and glamour of, and I'm like, excuse me, it is quite possible to be and create a lucrative business in an otherwise not so lucrative industry if you know what you're doing. And this doesn't apply to photography, it applies to any creative component that we do. If you know how to run a business and you know how to serve people's needs, create, create, create. And you will always have a market. So how did it feel when the trolls started popping up and, and saying things such as that? How'd you power through that? It was really, I mean, it, I will say it, it was as in past tense, but it always still stings. It really does. But I learned quickly that 
when a particular comment really bothered me, the question I needed to ask myself, is there a kernel of truth in what he is saying? Oh, so good. And you know what? Mind shift. Because when I looked at the comment, it obviously stung for a reason and there was a tiny kernel of truth. And so all of a sudden I was called to the carpet and I said, that needs to change. And so instead of feeling animosity towards the other person, I would silently say, thank you. Thank you for making me better. Watch me get better. And I think that that totally had the biggest profound change on what I do. And now today it's gotten easier to hear, to hear like people say mean things because if there's not a single kernel of truth to it, water off a duck's back. If they're, if they say something and it stings because it could be true, I need to change. And I say, thank you. That is so freeing. What a great litmus test to put all of this through in order to be able to face it and get to the other side. Does this, you know, have a kernel of truth? And if so, now I get to grow from it. And if not, why would it bother me? I mean, that, exactly. that right there, so many people are going to walk away and finally take action online because it's one of the biggest things that's holding people back is they're so wow. damn afraid of one troll, uh, you know, compared to the 99 people that will love their stuff. I think it's so important for us to constant be in evolution. And the problem is you can't evolve from a place you haven't started. So people often hold themselves back because of all the things that could possibly go wrong. But I will tell you, I have never grown as quickly, as strongly, as deftly, as swiftly as when I was making modifications to me being in motion instead of me tethering, I mean, teetering on the side of a cliff, debating to jump, jump. And then you amend when you're in midair. Mm, I freaking love it. Okay, so we've been accidentally shifting online, but this is really what a lot of people want to learn from you, including me, by the way. And that is how can we finally become good at social media? And you are the freaking master at this. So do you mind if we talk a little social media? Yes, let's. Okay, so first of all, could you give us some kind of low-hanging fruit that we have to watch out for when it comes to building social media for business? Yes, number one transgression extraordinaire. Every post is sales related. And people oftentimes are not even aware that it's happening because they think, well, I'm running a business, therefore I need to talk about this. But the key component to social media lies within the word social. If you are not social on your accounts, you will not get engagement. If you do not get engagement, your posts do not get seen. If your posts do not get seen, you're doing a disservice to your business. So we must always, I always recommend this three to one rule what I call three gives to one ask. You give people content, information, how you spend your weekend, recommendations on where to travel, what's your favorite drink, you're talking about and to them. And then the ask would be, sign up for my newsletter, here's my new product line, I'm in a launch. And so people understand that it's always this give and take as they follow your business, but if it is only ever sign up for my newsletter, just wrote a blog post, I'm in a launch, my product comes in green, buy my milkshakes or buy my smoothies, or all of a sudden it becomes rote that people will just tune you out because they're going to be, they feel like they're being sold to. Oh, I love it. Okay. So now let's get even grittier. What is a piece of advice that's like an insider's secret? You know, everyone feels like, oh, you know, Jasmine is doing something different than everybody else is doing. And that's why she gets these results. What's like a good gritty inside secret or a hack? Oh, the best hack. It has an incredible ROI and it's so difficult. What is it? <laughs> Consistency. Oh my God. That's I knew you'd it. say something like that. That's it. I mean, honest to God, the biggest secret is not a secret. It's just so wildly difficult for people to show up. So are we talking every day, twice a day, 10 times a day? Like what, what is consistency? Well, okay. Let's take this into an analogy that most of the audience would be familiar with. You've gained 10 pounds over Christmas 
and you say, what's the quickest way to lose 10 pounds? Well, you can lose 10 pounds in 10 months. You can lose 10 pounds in one month. How much work do you want to put into it? Ooh, like, I love it. So there's no so, right answer. It's the, you know, the more the better, so to speak. Absolutely. So if whatever platform you want to grow, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at minimum, you should be showing up once a day. And here's the thing. It's not just showing up because then what happens is I view social media as a cocktail party on the internet. And oftentimes people perceive that when they walk into the cocktail party, that everybody should be coming up to them and being like, Ooh, she's here. Oh, do you see his shoes? Oh, he's so fun. Let me ask him all these questions. No, when you walk into a cocktail party, you always do that like kind of quasi nervous shuffle. Like, should I pretend like I'm getting a drink? Is there anybody around the room that I know? Totally. And then you approach the person who looks the kindest and less intimidating and you start a conversation, not by expecting them to ask you something, but you ask on something and expressing genuine interest in what they do. If that's not your behavior on social media, you're going to have a hard time having people talk back to you. So not only is it important that you're showing up every single day, but that you're going in with intentionality to surf hashtags, connect with people, leave comments specifically on Instagram that are more than four words because Instagram counts comments differently. So emoji, a string of emojis does not count as much as a, as a standard word for word comment, but a two word comment like so fun is different from that's so fun, Chris. Then all of a sudden that comment is weighted differently. So when you teach people how you want them to engage in your account, you must then go and leave thoughtful and real comments on other people's accounts, which is why I'm a big, big, big proponent of never hiring a bot company to systemize your liking and commenting because people will leave most probably two word comment that has nothing to do with the post itself. And it makes your account look disingenuous. Ooh, totally. And people can sniff that out right away. Oh, completely. Is one platform better than another right now, especially for business? Yes. <laughs> you can share which one that is. <laughs> it depends what industry you're in. That's it. You know, it depends where your customer is because, you know, some people ask me like, I, I don't even know why I would be on LinkedIn. Well, you would be on LinkedIn if you're targeting C-suite personnel within a company. You're going to be on LinkedIn if you want to do like white papers. You want to be, you're going to be on LinkedIn if you want to get acquired. Like every platform is different according to the trajectory of your business. Now, if you're servicing, you know, kids between 15 and 25, then there's no other place to be than Snapchat, period, the end. Um, if you're uh, targeting females between 35 and 45, Facebook is going to be where you want to be. And, but that's kind of changing, especially now that Instagram just passed the 1 billion mark user fastest growing social platform to ever exist. And it's slowly creeping up with Facebook. So that the, the line, the age lines between Instagram and Facebook are going to get, start getting blurred. But right now, traditionally Instagram has like a younger user base between that, like 24 to like 35 age range. Okay, I got to ask you, I'm so drawn to Instagram. I love Instagram. I have so much fun on Instagram. I hate Facebook so much to the point where I ignore mine and probably to a detriment. Do I need to, to beat myself yes. up over that or do oh, I no. need to <laughs> just go with what I like? Here's the thing. And be honest. Okay, we have to understand that if we are using our accounts for business, it's not about us. It's not about what we like. Ooh. It's about what our customers like. Now, on your, if you have a personal Instagram, if you have a personal Facebook page, then you could do whatever the heck you want. But I know, like we, between us, I love Instagram. It's where I want to be. I find the most engagement. I'm, I'm fine that I'm, I spend my most free time, like my personal non-business Jasmine time on Instagram. However, I know that Facebook's Facebook ads have become a game changer in my business. And I also know that my ads perform when my page is hot. So I'm constantly creating attention and awareness so that I can create retargeting campaigns based on people who've engaged with my content in the past, thus driving my cost per lead so low. That makes so much sense. And I will gladly accept that light slap across the face to wake up <laughs> and not make it about me. But if I really have intention to do business and do it well, then I need to 
to go where that attention is, so to speak. Absolutely. And one thing to caution is that there's this easy temptation within Instagram because they've made it so easy is to just push whatever is existing on Instagram to your Facebook page. But the problem with that is that they end up broken. So one platform doesn't play nicely with the other, even though they're, 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 owned by the same company, right? So Facebook owns Instagram. And so Instagram says, Hey, why don't you just put this out on Facebook? But the problem is whenever you have an at mention, it ends up broken. Whenever I have a hashtag, it doesn't work on that account. So my advice is not to create new content on different platforms, but to share the content at different times native to each platform. So instead of having a photo that has a broken at mention or a broken hashtag, making your followers feel that they're eavesdropping on a conversation in Instagram, but you're not really paying attention on Facebook is to upload the identical photo two days later, tag other pages and add emotions or locations within the platform itself. So people feel like the conversation is actually existing there and then setting aside a time every day to respond to the comments that are there. Because what happens is if people come to your cocktail party on Facebook and they keep on saying, love this inspirational, thanks, Chris. And then you don't respond the next time they see you at the party three, four, five times and they said something and you don't respond, they're not going to, they're going to stop saying things. Totally. So far, it's almost like your advice is Hey, don't be a lazy schmuck. Like, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Like, <laughs> be more consistent, work harder, you know, Basically. don't copy paste. Like, put some real authentic effort into this. The whole entire premise so far is just stop being lazy. Absolutely. But this goes back to like my lovingly chubby girl phase discipline. This is what it is. It's just discipline. <laughs> it is. But okay, so let's take a step further if you don't mind. Uh, let's say someone's trying really hard. They're posting every day. They comment back on every single comment. They're using forward comments. Like they're doing the do, but they're, let's use Instagram just because it's most popular in my world right now. Um, you look at their Instagram and it kind of looks, there's two types of people I see. Their Instagram looks like crap, like the worst thought out, you know, horrible, most horrible pictures ever. And then I see the opposite end of the spectrum and it's nothing but photo shoot pictures. I mean, nothing like there was never a real moment in their life. Is it better to be in between the two or lean towards the one that is so beautifully curated? Obviously not the first one. It, again, the answer is what does your audience want to see based on what you're selling? So if I am like a retail store, it's everything's curated and perfect. If I am selling, um, I mean, it, it, um, if I'm selling like mommy planners, less perfection is better. Because moms don't want to buy a planner from a perfectly poised mom all the time. They want to buy from a mom who looks and feels and identifies like them. So there isn't a right answer. It's just to really understand what are you selling and who are you selling to and then creating content for that. But I always think, and this is the thing that people are just like, well, it's so fake. It's so curated. But I'm just like, at the same time, Instagram started first and foremost as a visual platform. That's like saying, I want to start a podcast, but I don't, I'm, I don't really need nice audio. Like I can just, <laughs> you know, like use a megaphone and it's like, no, you have to play according to the terms of that particular app. And so if you want your post to stick out, there's a reason why the most popular photos on Instagram, the most best, the best performing photos are those that are professionally captured or at least and I follow accounts, Chris, like make no mistake. I do not mean to be a professional photographer. No, not at all. People with the iPhone, with an iPhone are killing the game because they understand simple components of, Hey, good light, nice composition, put a nice little filter on it, killing the game. So it's not about the quality. It's about understanding the nuances and how to kind of visually make your photos appealing. Okay. So what about IGTV? Is this going to be the next big thing? What do we need to know around that? 
I'm obsessed, like completely <laughs> and totally entirely obsessed. And I'm obsessed for a few reasons. And I think it kind of like stems back to being like early adopters to social platforms. So yeah. back in the day when Facebook started allowing people to upload video, you would upload it directly from YouTube. And there was a time where I was uploading videos from YouTube to my Facebook page and getting tens of thousands of views. Like an average, I'd probably be getting like 25, 35,000 views on a video on Facebook. And my Facebook page was much smaller back then. I remember the good old days. The good old days, right? And then all of a sudden, Facebook has its own video uploader. And then they start, I wouldn't say dinging, but they're definitely not showcasing those YouTube videos in large format. You get a tiny little square. And who's clicking on a tiny little YouTube square? Yeah, no one. But if you upload directly to Facebook, you get the big kind of prime real estate. So then I started realizing that I had to upload directly to Facebook videos and then upload directly to uh, YouTube videos. But that really limited the amount of video views that I was getting because I couldn't cross pollinate my audiences. And so, and then all of a sudden, over the last four years, the algorithm has really changed on Facebook pages. And so my reach has, even though my page has grown, my reach has truncated, much like everybody else. And so on average, I'm now getting about 10,000 views per video. But it's kind of like jarring because you're like, you make and spend so much time creating this really great content for not a lot of people seeing it. And what Instagram TV has done is really leveraged, like it's evening out the playing field. So at the time of this recording, IGTV is not even a week old and I'm already getting uploaded just a couple videos and I'm already getting somewhere in the ballpark around six or 7,000 views on a video, which same video uploaded to YouTube, same video uploaded to Facebook, same video uploaded to IGTV. Now I'm having numbers that compete with numbers of yesteryear. Heck yes, I'll take it. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm pretty excited about it too. Okay. So I want to talk about something that you help people with and that is, you know, building their Instagram, building their social media, and not because I want to do some thinly veiled sales pitch or any anything like that. I just honestly believe in what you're doing, and I know a lot of people freaking struggle with this, right? So you've made it easier to succeed on social media. Um, I think you call it what? Social curator? Social like curator, okay. yeah. What is it? Tell us about it. Okay, so I should probably mention that these patterns that I notice from like my life, I started noticing with entrepreneurs. And so I, I, I have an Instagram for business course. I have a social media branding course. I had all these other things. And I literally walked people through my exact pattern. I hired a videography team to come into my house and I said, Hey guys, do you guys want to see me create an entire month of social media content in just one day? And people are like, yes, Jasmine, we want, that's going to be the thing that's going to help us. So then we hire this video team. We create all this content. I show them, I give them the content three, four weeks later, I check in. I'm like, how is it going? And I heard three things again and again and again from thousands of students. Number one, Jasmine, I don't know how to take a picture. I'm struggling. <laughs> it's true though. Some of us it struggle. Is. It is. It was so true. Number two, Jasmine, even if I have a photo, I have the hardest time figuring out what to write about my business. And number three, even if I had the photo and even if I had the caption, I don't have time to show up every day because due to the amount of time that it takes to actually show up every day. And so my husband and I, he's my business partner, we sat down and we said, okay, we've literally opened the exact books of everything we do and how people need to show up. How can we service, how can we service our tribe? And so we came up with Social Curator, which is a monthly social media membership. And on the first of every month, people get 30 beautiful stock photos that are lifestyle inspired. Remember, we're at the cocktail party, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to take photos of your business because you're the best at taking photos of yourself, speaking and connecting and podcasting. But what about like, what are your weekend plans? What are you doing? How do you spend your holidays? Do you have any family traditions? We have content based for that. We also provide 15 caption templates. Like you don't know what to say. These are all the inspiration you need to find ways to talk 
cute, engaging, fun ways to talk about your business. And every month we have a social media marketing plan. Every month it's unique. So one month we focus on Facebook ads. The next we focus on IGTV. The next we'll be focused on IG stories. And we're talking about constant evolution of how social media is changing. But really, how do you show up step by step every single month to ensure that you're growing and building your brand? I'm so afraid for this to sound like a sales pitch. But again, I freaking believe in this because so many people need it because everyone says those same complaints you're talking about. So like, yes. who is it for? Is it for only photographers? For, is it for anybody? No, it's for entrepreneurs. It's for entrepreneurs. It is absolutely for entrepreneurs. It's for people. And this is specifically why we decided not to create niches around the photography. Because could I create a niche specifically for fitness professionals? Yeah, sure. I can, you know, have like a blender and a smoothie. I can have a yoga mat. I can have mala beads. I can do all of that. But here's the thing. There are so many other stock photo companies that do that. Like, why would I compete in that? Like, that's not, that's not me listening to my audience. What my audience wants is to create and get people talking back to them. But most people are not really responding to a yoga mat and mala beads. How are they responding? Like, so for instance, people say, uh, there's like one of their captions is like, I'm getting ready to spend the weekend out. I had a hard week at work doing, and then it's fill in the blank. What do you do? How do you show up? How do you service working on this particular project? What's the particular project? This is a, a soft way for you to talk about your business without selling your business. You're like, but it's Friday night. We're headed out to cocktail hour. My favorite drink is fill in the blank. What's yours. So we're talking about engagement. We're giving a personal insight. We're talking about a soft pitch to the business. And then you have an accompanying photo with an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic beverage for you to choose from. This is so good. Cause you actually just addressed my next question because I have not, you know, that's necessarily taken the program yet. I was afraid if there's 30 pictures and 30 scripts, won't it like one Jasmine star, uh, student will look like the next Jasmine star student or not so much. So this is okay. So this is, I feel like, okay, this is crazy. I love these questions because these are the questions we get all the time. And so the captions are fully customizable. And in fact, I just, and I host, we have a private Facebook group and I host um, monthly live classes in there. And today, just earlier before we have, we're on this call, I taught a class and we had this 30 day Instagram challenge. Everybody was given 35 captions to choose from. So we have thousands of people going through this challenge, all their captions given to them. And I went through and I critiqued over a hundred accounts, all using the same captions but everybody modified them for their voice, for their industry. You would never know that they were working from the same template. It was, I felt so freaking proud. I was say proud. Like, like oh proud. my God, it worked. It did work. It did work. Cause you're kind of like, God, I hope this works. And then you're like, hell yes, this freaking killed. <laughs> and then as far as comes to, to photos, this is again, a very personal thing. I, um, they're full, they're high resolution images. So people can crop the photos within the photos. So you can make it that way. And also if you have a particular set of like, um, editing, like filters apps, you can make them your own, but also, cause I'm a firm believer, you are going to be the captain of your ship. I include a photo shot list to accompany every single caption. So at the first of the month you say, okay, Jasmine already told me all the photos that I need to take on my, on my own to match these captions, set some time aside, take your own photos. Now you have a clear trajectory and path on what you need to do to visually capture your business. This is freaking awesome because I never know where to point people for this stuff and like I'm happy this is this is I I hope this does not sound insulting to the listeners but this is literally played to the lowest common denominator so anybody can do it it sounds like and here's the best part is that people understand the power of discipline and consistency and then they became they take our action plans and then they're on their own this is it, it plays to the basics and all of a sudden it's like karate kid. And I feel like Mr. Miyagi, it's like, you're doing these rote things. And you're like, why am I washing this car? I was like, Daniel son, wash on, wax on, <laughs> wax off. Trust me on this. And two, three months in, they're like, hot dang, 
this is why. And then it clicks and we see that again, always like that three to four month mark. People are like, whoa, now it all makes sense. Now I'm empowered. Now I have my vision. I have my feet underneath me. And in the community of crazy ass hustlers in there helping each other, incredible, incredible. Okay. Quick question. Do you have a um, success story that you could share? I have a few. Oh my gosh. So there was a photographer. She came in. She just started her business. She lives in a small town outside of Lake Tahoe, California. So we're talking about small, small town. She was making no money, but she knew that she needed to be on social media. And within two months, she's consistently making $3,000 a month, basically just being able to connect and create conversations online that then turn into booked gigs. We also have um, she creates boxes like curated gift boxes. She's Canadian based. It's hello. Aloha bliss. She creates gift boxes for real estate agents to send to clients who they've recently closed in their house. And as a result, within six weeks of her being using social media, using social curator captions and photos, she booked a $45,000 deal. Dang. Yeah. That's yeah. so badass. Where can people find the course? Mysocialcurator.com mysocialcurator.com and I, I will make sure that we put a link to it in the show notes so if you guys are listening just go to the show notes and you can click right on that link and again this is not like we didn't accidentally come here to all of a sudden sell you or have some thinly veiled you know sales pitch or something like that I just believe in Jasmine and I see her doing the do and when you see somebody doing it right and when you believe in what they're doing then it only makes sense to talk about the solutions that they have and, and that's exactly how I feel about you. Well, I really, I really appreciate it, Chris. Like I really do. And I believe in it and I know that it's helped a lot of people. So thank you for the opportunity. Where's the best place to follow you? I made it easy. All forms of social media at Jasmine Star and at jasminestar.com. All right. And then the last question that I ask everybody, and I just want to kind of frame this. So you grew up uh, in poverty and you are now thriving and you're doing it because you decided you wanted a certain level of life and you went out there and you made it happen. And you've been pretty unapologetic about doing it and about getting your results. So why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and or wealth? Because people are going to have opinions if you're successful, if you're not successful, if you do it on your own terms, not on your own terms, if you listen to what other people think or you don't, everybody has opinions. So why not choose to be completely unapologetic because their opinions for you, against you, about you, not not related to you, don't matter. I unapologetically step into the purpose because I know that I'm here to serve a small group of people. Not everybody. I'm definitely not everybody's cup of tea, but I unapologetically step into who I am, my light, my purpose, and my power because I know that I'm intended to impact a small group of people who will then go out and impact their families, their neighborhoods, their states, and ultimately their country. Oh, damn. That's so good. You know, I just, you made it so simple. Like if you are playing the I'm broke and I'm not standing out card, people are going to be like, oh, what's your problem? Why aren't you trying? And then right. if you're playing the I'm successful yes. and I'm sharing it with yes. everyone, they're like, oh, yes. look at you. Why do you think you're so great? Yes. So if they're going to talk shit anyways, why yes. not make impact? Exactly. Oh my exactly. God. I freaking love it. I love you. I appreciate it. Thank you for being on. Like this I is this is going to be the end all be all like social media and inspiration episode. Oh, Chris, stop. <laughs> I cannot wait to hang out with you guys and see you as part of the mastermind. But overall, just watching you guys, what you guys are doing on social, you guys walk the walk. You guys are truly the real deal. I'm not saying that for any other reason. You guys are a power couple in every way since in the form because it comes from the truest part of you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will receive that and we think the same way about you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, 
It goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.